My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. It used to be relatively easy to figure out how a song became a hit. Sure, it might have been corrupt or driven entirely by marketing departments at major labels or by a music radio or video station making a unilateral decision to make a song a hit. But you kind of knew how that process happened. Not so much anymore. See the sun leading us to getting kind of hard when you're constantly feeling love. Look, I got hit up in the party, did it, dozen to my memories, falling into jealousy. Out. For the first time this year, the Juno Fan Choice Awards will feature an artist chosen in association with TikTok, which makes sense because over the past couple of years, TikTok has arguably evolved into the most unique way to create a hit song. It has driven the careers of everyone from Lil Nas X to Jessia, a rising Canadian pop star who found her fans on the platform. This is the next iteration of a continual shift in the music industry, from records to MP3s to Spotify and algorithms to TikTok, and, and we don't know what's next. We don't know where the next hit will come from. And because, with every iteration, the platforms themselves influence the music, we don't know what it'll sound like either. And that's fascinating. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Richard Trapunsky is the editor of Music and Tech at Now Magazine. Hi, Richard. Hi. Since the Juno nominees were just announced, why don't you tell us how well have the Junos traditionally kept pace with the changes in the music industry? So the Junos, you know, the Junos are similar to the Grammys in that I think that they really um, give a picture or they really well represent uh, the industry side of the, of the, uh, the music landscape uh, in Canada. I won't get too far into how exactly they decide who's nominated and who isn't, but a lot of it is, you know, it's it's influenced by sales, it's influenced by uh, labels paying for submissions and all this kind of stuff, which means, you know, you're really getting the halves of the music world, uh, you know, the ones with the money to back it up a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a lot of sounds that uh, influence, you know, what what Canadian music is and how we define Canadian music. Uh, and often what the Junos give you is, you know, kind of a narrow version of that, a very, you know, what you would expect when you think of as CanCon. So, you know, they get bands like the Guess Who right. and Neil Young and Rush and bands that you would, uh, you know, that because they're Canadian and because they're already popular in the U.S., you'll end up hearing them, you know, 50 times a day on the radio. You know, when when we start talking about how well they've caught up, you start to think about, um, mar- you know, marginalized communities and and different kind of genres and subgenres and 
you know, hip hop, obviously you wouldn't think of now as, in any way as a, as a small genre or something like that. But that, that's been one area where uh, it's probably been the most turbulent when it comes to the Junos and, and how they embrace that style of music. You know, most famously, the band, the group, The Rascals, um, boycotted the Junos the year that they were nominated for Best Hip Hop because they weren't televising the rap category. Right. Yeah. And then years later, Drake hosted the Junos and he was nominated for a whole bunch of a whole bunch of Junos and uh, was completely shut out. And <laughs> whoops. I, yeah, I think he looked at that as like, oh, you know, you want to capitalize off my name and my celebrity and my image, but you won't actually reward me and reward my art. Uh, and he's boycotted ever since. He hasn't submitted any of his music since then. And it's been, I think, about 12 years now. So, you know, it, it's been a catch up. But this year and the last few years, they have been implementing some new measures to try and try and keep on top a little bit more and try and open their, you know, open themselves up to uh, a wider array of sounds and artists. So that's about making room for untraditional styles of music, or at least underrepresented styles of music. But what I'm interested in talking about today, um, especially because you tend to err on the tech side of music journalism, is the platforms that these artists are coming from. So tell me about, there is a, a TikTok Juno fan choice category at this year's Junos. What is that about and why TikTok? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not new that they've had this fan choice category. Essentially, it is uh, the category where regular people can vote on their favorites, and so you know, it it tends to be um, the Justin Bieber's of the world or Sean Mendes, you know, the the artists that um, and those guys are there. But there's also a lot of artists that I don't think a lot of people have heard through traditional platforms. Mm-hmm, yeah, so yeah, the, it tends to be the you know, the young and, uh, and popular, popular with the young audience artists. And, uh, now a lot of the time where those artists are coming up is on TikTok. And so the Junos are, have come around to that and, and are recognizing those artists and have actually partnered with TikTok. A couple of years ago, the nominations came out, uh, in the hip hop category. And a lot of people were like, who are, you know, who's BBNO dollar sign <laughs> pronounced baby no money. Hey, little mama, yeah, you heard about me. I'm a puppy like a pea, yeah, and a mommy. Yeah, feel so hard like I'm chilling. And, you know, there's other artists this year, Jessia, 347 Aiden, Tesher, um, probably to a lot of your listeners and, and myself too. You know, I'm in my 30s. Um, I'm sort of, and I, and I pay attention to the music scene. And a lot of the time I was sort of like, I, why haven't I heard of these artists who are so huge? Uh, and a lot of the time it's because they're making noise on TikTok. Um, and you know, they're, they're really building their fan base with these short videos that end up getting remixed. They end up getting duetted on, you know, people use them for dance challenges. Uh, and all of a sudden these songs are just building huge, huge listenership on this specific platform. Uh, and, you know, sometimes getting hundreds and millions of views, uh, and, and listens that, you know, maybe you're not hearing that on the radio, although it does also influence the radio. When did TikTok start becoming so integral to developing new artists and and just how integral has it become over the past few years? You know, again, I'm I'm in my early 40s, so I will admit that I'm I'm super out of touch, but like I remember it kind of starting with Lil Nas X and and now it seems to make up uh, a huge chunk of at least the more popular genres like pop, hip hop, R&B. Yeah, definitely. And it's recognized on the Billboard Hot 100, too. I, I wrote it down in, in 2021. Uh, over 175 songs 
that were trending on TikTok ended up charting on on Billboard as well. So it's not only on TikTok. And you know, four hundred and thirty songs surpassed one one surpassed more than a billion views. Um, Lil Nas X, like you said, was probably the um, most you know the biggest example, the one where it really broke through to the mainstream. And you know, his song "Old Town Road" started as uh, essentially a meme and ended up becoming a huge, huge hit. One of the reasons why I think it exploded even more over the last couple of years, like so many other things, is the pandemic. For a lot of artists trying to make noise, you know, they could only do it online. And a lot of people got on TikTok that hadn't before. A lot of them saw the dollar signs and they said, maybe this is a way to get really popular. You know, you th- if you're talking about the really big ones, you start to see like... You know, Megan the Stallion, uh, the song WAP was huge on TikTok, right? Right. right. Drake has had a few big TikTok hits and, and you know, he had he's tried to game it himself. He had a song called Toozy Slide, which was essentially a song made with a TikTok dance trend in mind. And he ma- he totally manufactured that and it worked. So you see a lot of big artists doing that, but then you see also a lot of smaller artists, developing artists, you know, building their whole following on TikTok and essentially becoming TikTok stars in their own right, just on that platform. How has that impacted the industry in general in terms of discovery for those previously unknown artists, but also just economically you mentioned dollar signs do do independent artists make money from tiktok and how uh, yeah again it's sort of uh, the answer is yes and no a lot of the artists like on so many other things that are making the most money on tiktok uh are the ones who are already huge and established and right. with major label drive behind them but smaller artists are are also um are also developing followings on there you know a lot of the time it's really young artists who are like you know, digital natives, they're born on, on platforms like TikTok. They, you know, mm-hmm. they're really good at just making clips and, and um, manufacturing their followings that way and, and building them. A lot of the, you know, a lot of artists, some musicians, it's like they don't even necessarily look at themselves as musicians. The ones who are really popular on TikTok, they call themselves creators. Yeah, Their job is they're making TikTok videos. And if music is part of that, then that's great. But it's not necessarily the whole thing. That's that's not everyone. But how do they monetize that? Are they are they getting paid through advertisements that pop up on the videos? Are they getting paid uh, a la Spotify where they get like some fraction of a cent per every TikTok video that uses their music? Or are they just building a following and hoping to get paid elsewhere by a music label or radio station or whatever? Yeah, it's definitely it's a combination of things. Um, TikTok in the States and elsewhere in the world has something called the Creator Fund, which is essentially TikTok will pay the artists, they'll fund artists to, or creators to, to make videos once they've surpassed a certain, um, view count. I think it's uh, over a hundred K those people are drawing people to the platform. So they'll start to give them some money that doesn't actually exist in Canada yet, but it is launching here soon. I think they said over the next few months. Um, and there's other things like, you know, labels are really trying to game it. A lot of the time labels or artists or marketing firms will essentially pay TikTokers, pay influencers to use the to post music and use their sounds. So they say, you know, we have a song we want to break on TikTok. Here's a popular TikToker with, you know, millions of followers. Make a video with our sound and we'll we'll pay you for that. Hmm. Yeah, and then there are artists who are just trying to build their following there. 
and use it as a launching off point um, to then, you know, have their songs, you know, put out an actual album. And once they've got the profile from TikTok, maybe people will buy the album or they'll buy a concert ticket or they'll buy a T-shirt. But TikTok is getting more into this directly, actually. Um, They just this week, I think, announced that they're launching uh, a distribution platform, a music distribution platform called SoundOn. Essentially, it's like a developmental deal. It's almost like signing an A&R deal with a with a record label. But they'll help you with promotion. They'll help your music get onto into TikTok videos, and they'll even distribute your music to other platforms like Spotify and you know to the radio. So you know they're really directly getting into the music business there and music management, marketing um, things that would traditionally be done by a record label is now partially being done by TikTok. I'm glad you mentioned Spotify in that answer because that was part of my next question. You know. There's been a lot of conversation in the past few months about Spotify in general, but also about how bad Spotify can be for artists, especially artists who are independent and scratching to make a living. I'm I'm not asking you to be the final authority on this, but what's the difference between the TikTok model for artists and the Spotify model for artists? And is is what TikTok's doing maybe an improvement? Well, they I, I'd say they kind of work. They're kind of two different things. They're not they're not quite apples and oranges. They're working together a lot of the time. But, you know, Spotify is still probably the most popular platform nowadays uh, for artists to get, you know, where you'd listen to a whole song by an artist, obviously. Right. Um, like you said, there there's been a lot of chatter about Spotify lately. Uh, a lot of it blew over the last, you know, a few months ago with Joe Rogan. It was about podcasts specifically. But uh, the Joe Rogan experience, you know, had been spreading um vaccine misinformation and artists like Neil Young decided to pull their music off the platform. And, you know, that, that made huge headlines about Spotify, but there was another group of musicians and who have been talking forever um, about um, the problems with Spotify for artists in general, uh, which is like you said, they're, they're not making a lot of money off of royalties. And there, there's actually a musician's union the uh, Union of Musicians and Allied Workers who started a campaign called Justice at Spotify. And, you know, they even went and, and uh, protested at their headquarters. They were demanding, you know, the, the majority of artists are seeing something like uh, a third of a cent per stream uh, if a song is streamed. And, you know, our, the, these musicians were asking for at least one penny per stream, uh, which, you know, sounds sounds like small potatoes, but uh, at a third of a cent per stream, a lot of musicians even if they're getting pretty, you know, decently sized numbers of streams on Spotify are not really making much money off of it. And like I said, the pandemic uh, exasperated so many things. Yeah, especially when you're not touring. Yeah, there's no touring. Suddenly Spotify and, you know, music sales are essentially your only revenue source as a working artist. If you're, you know, making only a, a little bit of money there and suddenly that's the only way you're making money, you know, there's obviously a problem. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. 
So what are the alternatives then? You know, we've spoken about TikTok. Um, Spotify obviously has tons of problems if you're an artist. Given that touring is probably not ramping back up in full for at least a little bit, like where do artists go these days to release new music and get a fair shake? Well, I mean, Spotify, I think, is sort of, and Spotify is obviously not the only streaming service. There's also, you know, Apple Music, there's Amazon Music, uh, Tidal. Right. Uh, but those are all essentially different versions of the same thing. I think it's sort of a necessary evil. I think a lot of artists realize, uh, even if they're not making a ton of money, listeners listening to your music as much as possible is going to be a good thing for them, especially now that touring is an option again. You know, but this has been a problem for a lot of years is that record sales are are no longer the number one revenue source for artists. It is uh, merch and live shows and all these other kinds of things. One alternative that that a lot of sort of DIY indie musicians really flocked to, especially over the pandemic, was Bandcamp. Right. And Bandcamp is essentially a sales platform, a music sales platform, you know, where artists and labels can sell an album directly uh, and you can go there and you buy it rather than stream it. And once you buy it, you add it to your collection, you can download it, you can stream it, you can do whatever you want with it. You know, Bandcamp does take a cut, but it's not a huge cut. And over the pandemic, every once a month, they they had a a thing called Bandcamp Friday where they waived their whole uh, side of the royalties and and gave all the money to artists. And so, you know, it kind of became the real artist-friendly platform. uh, And it started to develop its own thing where, you know, bands were even releasing music specifically for Bandcamp Friday. They'd put out a compilation or they'd put out a, you know, a special release uh, and promote it on Bandcamp Friday where they could get 100% of the the money that somebody's spending and it goes directly into their pocket where sometimes even if they were making, let's say, one sale on Bandcamp, you know, it might be more money than they've got from the whole month on Spotify. But Bandcamp has a small slice of the pie when it compares to those other big tech comp- companies and uh Bandcamp was recently sold to Epic Games which has I think nobody quite realizes what that'll mean yet but there's a lot of anxiety around that of, over what it will mean for artists. Yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is just with the constantly shifting nature of uh where musicians can go to First of all, you know, own their means of distribution, I guess, as much as possible, and and also to make a living doing it. What does it mean when you see an independent platform like that snapped up by? And again, we don't know necessarily what Epic Games wants to do with it, but but snapped up by a huge company. Yeah, Epic Games is the gaming company uh, that makes Fortnite, and they're famous for in-app purchases. So they're you know they they know how to make money. Yeah, and Bandcamp, like I said, was sort of looked at as the small, artist-friendly, DIY-friendly platform. And I think some people maybe naively thought that Bandcamp would be exempt from that. Uh, Epic Games has, you know, in their announcement, they put it out and they said, you know, Bandcamp's not going to change. It's still going to be a standalone artist distribution. Uh, That's every acquisition announcement, though. Exactly, it is. You're right. Uh, And, you know, they say that at first and then you wait a few months and suddenly everything's changed. And, you know, right now I think it's been... There's, I've seen some cautious optimism. I've also seen some real skepticism. Uh, one band that spoke up on Twitter is is the band Deerhoof, and they're a really long running indie band, you know, sort of experimental post rock band um, or post punk band. They 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 did a, a long Twitter thread about it, 
and you know they they have been very active on Bandcamp the last few years, like a lot of other artists. Um, and you know they they wrote, I imagined Bandcamp as a company that steered clear of this new gold rush of ultra rich venture capitalists paying giant sums to take control of music rights and catalogs and labels. What they're they're essentially saying is, even if things aren't going to change, we thought you know you didn't have the same growth at all costs kind of mindset and. Like you said, it might still exist a year from now, but they're, you know, based on everything we've seen with every other tech acquisition, uh, it would be unlikely. Right. This has been a great walk through the platforms themselves and what the tech means and, and the economics of the business. And the last thing I want to ask you sort of to sum all this up is how has the incredibly fluid nature of these platforms, you know, from iTunes and MP3s to Spotify to all the Spotify competitors and Bandcamp and now to TikTok, how has it changed the actual music? One thing I learned, uh, I guess, a year or two ago that continues to fascinate me is that Spotify has actually contributed to making the average length of a song shorter so that artists can get more streams. And I mean, I don't have any data on this, but I imagine just given the format of TikTok that it would continue to knock that down as well. Like, how has this changed music? Yeah, it definitely has. Again, this is nothing new. Like, um, the formats of music have always influenced uh, the way that music is made. You know, you'd have bands making, you know, sequencing albums to fit one side of a record. Hmm. That was something influenced by the format that it was on. And then when CDs became the thing, you started getting CDs that were 80 minutes long because that was how much music would fit on a CD. It was a lot longer than what you'd fit on a record, right? Right. Um, and they'd be padded out with filler and skits and this kind of thing. Now, Spotify is the biggest thing. Uh, and you start to get things like, like you said, songs are shorter. It's a lot more all about the hook and hitting you with the hook right away. You know, a lot of the time you'll hear a chorus right at the beginning of the song rather than after a verse. So you don't skip it. So you don't skip it. Exactly. It's all about playlists. You know, it, you want it to sound good if it's separated and, and it comes up on your Discover Weekly. It's it's a playlist created by an algorithm. The song comes to you. You're going to want to hear it right away, even if you don't necessarily know who the artist is or what it is or what album it comes from. Uh, there's a lot of that. And then on on TikTok, too, even more so, it's all about the hook. It's all about a sound or a song or a concept that will just hit you right away uh, and that maybe you'll even want to participate in. You know, you'll want to do a dance challenge to it. You'll want to remix it. You'll want to do edit. Um, that definitely influences the the sound of the songs themselves. You know, I mentioned Drake earlier, his song Toosie Slide was a song made specifically for TikTok. It's, it's named after a TikTok influencer, a dancer, hmm. uh, and he even fed it to him before he released it officially. There, There is sort of the other side, which is that things can explode kind of out of nowhere. And it is hard to predict as much as, as much as you see a lot of desperate attempts to game the TikTok algorithm. The algorithm on TikTok is, is really interesting uh, in general because TikTok is so about niches and, you know, different corners and you can kind of find people will call it a different TikTok. You know, you'd find like frog TikTok or like, nice. um, you know, DJ remixers or, people making sourdough bread, you know, whatever it is. Based on your personality, you'll start to see uh, TikToks tailored towards you uh, and it feeds back on, on itself. Uh, and because of that, music will just start to explode out of nowhere. And it's not necessarily whatever is new and trendy. You know, old songs start to become super popular on TikTok. To, to take it back to the Junos, there's this band Mother Mother, you know, a long-running Canadian rock band. Uh, one of their songs from 2008 
suddenly blew up uh, the song Hayloft. <laughs> you know, now all these years later, they released a sequel called Hayloft 2, and they were nominated for Best Group at the Junos. You know, there's a song by the Mountain Goats that that got huge on there, who's like a, you know, a lo-fi singer-songwriter project. Uh, you definitely would, wouldn't think of it as being, you know, trendy new music. I hope we come up with a fail-safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us. I hope the fences we mended fall down beneath their own weight. John, John Darnielle, the, the singer behind that group, um, you know, I think he he had some fun with it. I don't even know if he was on TikTok himself, but you know he started to hear that 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 the song "No Children" was suddenly blowing up on on TikTok again, a really old song. You know he sort of took it as a you know in a bemused kind of way, um, but it shows you know in a way it, it almost kind of the decontextualization of music can make interesting music uh, suddenly explode. You know I think the biggest Example of that right now is is the song We Don't Talk About Bruno. I'm sure you've heard it. It's a song from the movie Encanto, a uh, Disney movie, right? But um, I don't think they were pushing it as a single or anything, but it blew up on TikTok and now it's everyone's kids, everyone's niece or nephew's favorite song. Uh, and it's huge. As much as I think there are mechanisms, TikTok itself, labels, tech companies, uh, really trying to chase success on that platform, it can also really lead towards organic success uh, and you know some unpredictability that I think is somewhat welcome. It's nice to know organic success is still possible in the music industry. Richard, thank you so much for this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Richard Trapunsky of Now Magazine. That was the big story. I told you that we would get in a non-depressing episode before the end of this week. You are welcome. You can find us at thebigstorypodcast.ca. Talk to us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Write to us anytime, thebigstorypodcast, all one word, at rci.rogers.com. You can find this podcast absolutely everywhere. I won't even get into the details, because you should know by now. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks for listening. Have a safe weekend. We'll talk Monday. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now.